Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Good evening, and thank you for joining us on Facebook Live tonight. My name is Pastor Mike Brunzo, and my wife and I pastor Faith Fellowship Church in Louisville, Kentucky, at 7921 Third Street Road, just the first building north of Outer Loop. Tonight, I'm coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky, maybe 30, 35 miles uh, southeast of Louisville. Now, don't forget to hit your share button at the bottom so your friends will know we're on, and please hit the like button if you like us, and uh, make a comment to let us know you're watching. Our church has a midweek service every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and it's designed for a little refreshment in the Word of God and to help us uh, get through the rest of the week and make it to the next Sunday when we have a full-service meal at the church. So uh, we're not able to meet in person right now, and it's been three weeks since we had our midweek service, so I thought that we would start doing that. Uh, on Wednesday nights until we can meet together again in person. Let me find my place here. All right. Uh, we're going to have a sort of a Bible study tonight, and there's a specific scripture that I'd like to break down and study with you. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. And as always, I'll be reading in different translations, but you follow along whatever translation you have, and I'm sure it will be fine. 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. And then in the King James, I like to read 14. As a matter of fact, I have it memorized in the King James. That's why I kinda, I'm kind of partial to it. But it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. He says, Then will I hear from heaven. It's not talking about us hearing from heaven. It's talking about God hearing us from his position in heaven. And one of the things that we have to understand is that there's many times in the word of God when he will say, I will do such and such, and I will do so and so. And he said here that I will command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or I will send plagues. And those phrases are usually in the permissive sense rather than the causative sense. In other words, these are things that God may allow at different times, but he's not the one causing them. In other words, God is not the one that's actually going to cause evil things to come upon the earth, but he is rather permitting them or allowing them. And we may uh, want to question God on this and say, well, why is he allowing this coronavirus? Why does he allow hurricanes? Why does he allow this and that? Well, we're in a fallen world and uh, we have a devil who is an adversary. He don't like us and we don't like him and he's against God and God's against him, but he has kind of like free reign at this time because our forefather Adam gave him that power and gave him that authority. And uh, it's only for a short time and it's getting shorter every day. But in the meantime, you know, God didn't raise us up to 
uh, run from the, these things uh, or to uh, run from the storms in our life. He raised us up to go through them. And so all those these bad things happen on the earth and bad things happen to good people. We have the ability to overcome and we have the ability to triumph over them. Remember the story of Job? All the things that the devil did to poor old Job in, his, in that book. Uh, and God just allowed that to happen. He didn't actually do those things or cause those things. And then when God smoke, spoke to Moses uh, in Exodus chapter 12, which we just studied this past Sunday, he said, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will ex execute judgment. I am the Lord. But when Moses conveyed the same instructions to the elders of Israel, he said, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer or permit the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. So here we can see that uh, God is not the one that does the smiting. God permits it and allows it, and it's the destroyer, it's the devil, it's our enemy that does the actual smiting. He's the one that's out there to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God said he came to give life and that more abundantly. So it's like I said before, we have a good God and a bad devil, and they never switch places. So we have to understand that these things are in the permissive sense rather than the causative sense. God is not causing these things. He is permitting them. And instead of us crying and moaning and whining about what we have to go through, let's try to see what God's hand is doing in these different circumstances and these situations. Just like with this coronavirus, you know, we're locked down at home. And instead of complaining, let's figure out what is God trying to show us? What are we to learn during this time? And so it will help us a great deal when we realize that God's on our side and we're protected. You know, there was all kinds of plagues in the, in the land of Egypt when God was freeing the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, there was 10 plagues, 10 great plagues. And Israel lived in a little section called Goshen. And all those, those, those plagues were all over Egypt and they were smiting the Egyptians. They never once touched Goshen. And so Goshen is a type of the body of Christ. It's a type of the Christian community. And although there's things going on around us, we have promises from God that they will not strike us or smite us as long as we stay in Goshen. We're under God's hand, under his protection in Goshen. So let's stay in the land of Goshen. That's where the promises are. That's where he says no evil will befall you or any plague will come nigh your dwelling. In Goshen. And so we don't have to worry about these things. You know, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil for God is with us. His rod and his staff comforts us. And so we don't have anything to fear. Why? He's with us. His rod is there to defend us. His staff is there to guide us through it and get us through these things. So we have to keep the faith, stay in Goshen. Amen. So, uh, we can see from what Moses said that it was the destroyer that did the smiting and not God. And sometimes when we're reading things like this, it's easy for us to think that God is causing these things and we're quick to judge God and, and question God and say, why are you doing this? Why are you causing? First of all, we should never question God. I, I know we don't understand things, but there's times where we just have to be quiet and just by faith know God, is, God knows what he's doing. And God not, never does evil things to people. 
And so let's read two Chronicles again, but this time from the Message Bible. He says, if I, God, ever shut off the supply of rain from the skies or order the locusts to eat the crops or send a plague on my people, and my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives, I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. I don't know if you realize it by now, but our land needs healing. Our land needs to be restored to health. We're not in a healthy position spiritually or physically in this land. And that was in the causative sense. This is like God is causing these things. But let's read it now in the permissive sense. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit just to make my point. But it says, if I ever permit the shutting off of the supply of rain from the skies or allow the locusts to eat the crops or permit a plague on my people and my people, my God-defined people, Christians, those that are called by his name, those that have made Jesus Lord of their life, and my people respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their back on their wicked lives, I'll be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive your sins, and restore your land to health. That's a wonderful promise here. And we know we want to get our land restored to health, and we want to do it as quickly as possible. Thank God for our government. Thank God for the leadership that we have in the President Trump and, and Vice President Pence. I think they're doing a fabulous job under the circumstances. But we need more than just man leadership. We need God leadership. We do need to listen to our governors and our, our, our mayors, and uh, we need to obey the, the stay-at-home orders to the best of our ability. I mean, if you have to go to the store, I understand that. But we need to stay at home as much as possible, and when we do go outside, we need to follow all the, the uh, guidelines to help keep us safe and protect us, like with a mask, staying six feet away, the social distancing thing, uh, washing our hands frequently and all of that. But I think we rely too much on the govern, government sometimes and not enough on God. We need to put our reliance in God. He's the one that we need to put our trust in. And also that he will lead our, our leaders, our president, our vice president, the governor, the CDC, all of those that are giving us these guidelines, that he will give them the wisdom they need to lead us wisely. So God didn't cause this pandemic that we're in right now, but he obviously allowed it or we wouldn't be in it. And God is sovereign. And the devil can't blow his nose unless God permits it. So why would God allow or permit the COVID-19 virus? Just a wild guess, but our nation as a whole has turned their backs on God. And this has been happening for several decades now, 40 or 50 years, a little bit here, a little bit there, until it finally got out of hand. And God and prayer has been removed from our schools. No, God, we don't want you in our schools. And then God's removed from our courts, our government offices. And, and we're saying, no, God, we don't want you in our court system. We don't want you in our government. And then there's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender lifestyles that are widely acceptable in our country. 
And, you know, I don't have any anything against no person. I don't care what your sin is. That To me, sin is equal in every every aspect. Your sin is different than so-and-so's sin, and so-and-so's sin is different than your sin. And, and I don't judge the person. I judge the sin. I love homosexuals. I love transgender. I love everybody because I'm required to. And the reason I am is because God loves them. And so we, we have to get this straight because every once in a while we get mixed up and we start hating the person instead of the sin. And we can't do that. God is a God of love and uh, love will win people over a lot quicker than judgment. So we have to be careful how we judge people. And, you know, then there's political correctness. It says we can't even mention God's name in public. We can't have, you know, our... Our uh, nativity scenes at Christmas time. We can't have Jesus on a, a storefront. We can't have anything that refers to our Lord and our Savior. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, the biggest thing is that now we have on-demand abortion. You know, it, it's almost like the old gladiator days. Where and and if you had an abortion, again, I'm not judging you. I love you. There's forgiveness for you. You put it behind you, put it under the blood, and you never have to worry about it again. So I'm not getting on people that have abortion. I'm not here to bring condemnation or, or judgment to anybody. But uh, if you know, we get to the place where. They, uh, somebody has a baby, they lay it on the table and then turn to the mother and say, well, and the mother goes up or down. Uh, we're in a terrible position. God is not happy with that. And, and so it makes me wonder, you know, if God is judging the country, I wonder why. And, you know, most Bible scholars believe that this is a call for national repentance. Uh, this passage of scripture that we're studying tonight. They think it's a call for national repentance, and I don't deny that. I believe we need national repentance. But the only problem I have is when they refer to it as national repentance, uh, then the average person thinks it's above their pay grade or someone on a national level has to do all the praying. You know, well, Billy Graham knows what's going on. Let him do all the praying. You know, let these big uh, televangelists do all the praying. Let President Trump do all the praying. But, you know, yes, that's at a national level because they speak to the nation. But that is not the type of national repentance that God wants. I believe God is calling for personal repentance on behalf of each and every one of us, each individual Christian or those, like he said in the passage of Scripture, that are called by my name. Of course, that may lead to national repentance. I mean, if enough people repent, but it will be because every individual is repenting on a personal level. We all have a part in this. In other words, don't wait for others or even think about other people's repentance. Don't wait for someone else to lead the change. You do it. When you hear, uh, hear religious leaders calling for repentance on a national level, we get the impression that it's something that other people need to do. And that's not it at all. This is something that we need to do. I need to repent. You need to repent. And 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 so on and so forth. We all need to repent all over this country on an individual basis until it becomes a national repentance. God tells us how to do it here in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. And this is what he says we must do. Uh, let me break here for a second and let you know that I know I said that 
uh, I'll be on for 15 minutes tonight when I announced it last Sunday, but in, in preacher time, that's actually at least 30 minutes. So uh, God tells us how to do it here in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, our passage of scripture that we're studying tonight. Number one, he says, humble yourselves. Uh, God specifies here that we must do the humbling. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, and he shall lift you up. In other words, you do the humbling, God does the lifting. And, and, you know, many people think God does the humbling, but in order for God to humble you, that means he would have to humiliate you. And God will never humiliate you. He won't humiliate me. He loves us too much to do that. No, he leads and he teaches and he guides with a gentle hand. But he'll let us know when we get into pride and he'll let us know when we need to knock it down a notch. But he does it in a loving way, a non-condemning way. And so... God will never humiliate us. And that's why he said, no, you humble yourself. And, you know, pride is the opposite of humility. And God says he will resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God resisting me when I come to him. I want him giving me grace. Hallelujah. So, you know, um, it takes humility to admit that you're wrong, to admit that you've sinned, to admit that it's your fault. It takes true humility to repent. And I know sometimes we think we're repenting. We go to God and say, God, I'm sorry I did such and such and this and that or that and this. But I'm going to tell you now, if it wasn't for my wife, I would have never did it. You know, And so you're really not repenting. You're going to God and you're making excuses for your behavior and why you're doing things. And God is not happy with that. He knows why you sin. He knows you, you were going to sin when you just thought of it. He knew that you were headed for sin before you even thought of it. Why would we want to try to fool God? We need, when we go to God in repentance and prayer, we need to be honest with him. We need to be humble before him. We need to recognize and realize the fact that he is greater than we are. And he has what we need and we have nothing that he needs. And this is the attitude, the humility that we must approach him in. And it takes humility for that type of repentance. That's why he said, humble yourselves. And then number two, he said to pray. And what does that mean? That means talk to God. It's not hard to do that. We think we have to talk to God in some kind of Bible language, like in Elizabethan English. And I'm going to be real honest with you, and I'm a pastor but prayer for many years came hard to me. I always thought that I was never good enough, never had the right words, wasn't praying right. God wasn't hearing my prayers. And I had all these problems. And then I'm living with the prayer queen of North America, my wife. And I was, I just felt uh, unworthy. I didn't feel like I was qualified to pray. And then one time I, I just got a revelation and God let me know that, uh, he's pleased with me any time that I talk to him. And I don't have to use King James language. I can talk to him just like I'm talking to you right now. And, and a lot of times people don't feel like they have uh, what it takes to talk to God. I'm not good enough to talk to God. He's way up here. I'm way down here. He's God of the universe. I'm a little worm, you know, but that's not it at all. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from me. And he wants you to talk to him like you talk to anybody else. Of course, we need to be respectful. I mean, in the model prayer that Jesus left, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, 
holy be your name. So that's how we approach God. We recognize that he's holy and, and, and we respect him for that. And we show him that type of uh, praise and that type of honor and that type of esteem. But when you miss it, just go to God and say, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the flesh got the best of me on this one. And I went ahead and did something that I wasn't supposed to do or shouldn't have did. And, and I want you to forgive me. And God will hear you. And God will forgive you. No fancy words or anything. And, and just end your prayer in Jesus' name. God, my flesh got the best of me today. I missed it. I did such and such. Please forgive me. I love you. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's done. He's forgiven you. God said in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. I mean, it's enough just to have your sins forgiven. But God also cleanses us from all unrighteousness, which means that he puts us back into right standing with him. He's saying that, hey, I not only forgive you, but I'm putting you back into right standing with me. Come sit at my right hand. Amen. We're back in right standing with God. That's a good feeling. I mean, we miss it on a daily basis. Everybody does. You ain't perfect. You never will be. That's why Jesus came. He took all our sins. He took all our iniquities and he nailed them to the cross because he knew we could never live up to God's perfect standard. And so here we are, you know, God, forgive me. I missed it. The flesh called and I answered. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And he does. And he cleanses us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants us in right standing with him so that he can commune with us and we can commune back to him. And then number three, he said, humble yourself. Pray number two. And number three, he said, seek God's face. Seek my face. And many times in scripture, God's people are encouraged to seek the face of God. And if we can't see God's face, how can we seek his face? The Hebrew word for face here in the Old Testament is often translated presence. So God is saying, seek my presence. How? By humility and in prayer. Seek my presence. And so when we seek the, the face of God, we're seeking his presence. The call to seek God's face was issued to his people because they had abandoned him and needed to return to him. That's why he called the nation to repentance. He said, you abandoned me. You need to return to me and you need to return to me with a repentant heart. You know, a person's face reveals a lot about the person. It reveals a lot about their character or their personality. And it reveals a lot about a person's emotions or what they're feeling inside. It's all expressed in the face. I, I mean, we could recognize a person by looking at his or her face. Uh, in a sense, one's faith repre face represents the whole person. I can tell if you're angry. I can tell if you're upset. I can tell if you're sad. I can tell if you're sorry. I can tell if you're grieving. Your face tells it all. And I know we can put on a happy, go to church, smiley face every Sunday and maybe every Wednesday night, but we're not fooling God. He knows what's going on. He knows how we feel inside. And all he's saying is, talk to me. Tell me how you feel inside. I got the solution for you. I got the answer for you. But we're too proud to tell God how we feel when God already knows how we feel because he made us. Amen. You know, we recognize a person by his or her face. 
And so when we seek God's face, we begin to recognize him and we begin to uh, learn his characteristics. We learn his abilities. We learn how he thinks. We learn what he feels in his heart. And the word teaches us all of that. You know, for the writers of the Bible, the human face could represent the entire person. Just seeking God's face and seeing his face and seeing his character and, and what's going on in his heart will tell us a whole lot about our God. Amen. I may have to quit sooner than I thought. I just got 20% thing on my phone here. Boy, it eats up a lot of battery, I guess. Well, anyway, you can look at a person's face and tell what they're feeling inside. So when we seek God's face, we're seeking his feelings and his inward thoughts. He wants us to know him intimately, and he wants us to draw close to him. James 4, 7, he tells us, if we draw nigh unto God, God will draw nigh unto us. But I want you to notice the order of that. We have to draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to us. It's not the other way around. Don't wait for God to draw nigh to you. Humble yourself and draw nigh to him, and he'll draw nigh to you in return. Number four. Turn from our wicked ways. Here it is. That's part of repentance. Repentance means to show sincere sorrow or remorse and then turn away from it. In other words, you don't do it anymore. Uh, that's part of repentance. You know, just saying you're sorry, showing a little remorse, and then the following day going right back to doing what you were doing before, that's not true repentance. True repentance is quitting that thing turning from it 180 degrees and never returning to it again. Now, I'm not condemning you if you slip up. You know, you try it hard, but a week later you slipped into it again. Or what? No, you ask forgiveness and you start over again and you keep doing it until you're free of that thing. But, you know, these are the conditions God says that we have to meet in order for God to hear us from heaven and heal our land. And actually, if we do these four things, God says there's three blessings in it. Number one, he'll hear us from heaven. Number two, he'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from righteous, all unrighteousness. And number three, he will heal our land. And that's what we're looking for, the healing of our land. Now, I'm sure I'm not going to have time with my battery to get into this, but Daniel prayed a prayer in Daniel 9, chapter 5 through verses 20. Uh, chapter 9, verse 5 through 20. And well, let me give it a shot. Maybe we can get through it. He says, but we have sinned and done wrong. He's repenting for his whole nation, all the Israelites. He says, we have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants and the prophets who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. See, Daniel's taking blame for this. He says, Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. See, the Lord don't leave you, you leave him. Verse 8 says, O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. 
All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. Uh, if you have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned, Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. You want mercy from God, we have to turn from our sins. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O oh Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your land of the United States of America, your holy mountain, all the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. It's true that people are laughing at the church today, but that's going to be short-lived because this is the time for the church to rise up. We All these things that have hindered us in the past are being removed, and this is our time for the church to shine, and the church shall shine. And then he says, Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake. Lord, smite again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. Oh, my God, for your people in your city bear your name. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord, my God, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. This gives us precedence to not only pray and ask forgiveness for our sins and repent of them, but we can ask forgiveness and repent for our families, our communities, and even our nation. And this is what we need to be doing today. See, uh, if we don't stop and take inventory and realize that we're the ones that messed up. We're the ones that sinned. We're the ones in the wrong and go to God asking his forgiveness and, and repenting from these sins. Then he's never going to heal our land. It has to start with the church. And you know, there's a saying, every failure is a prayer failure. And God is going to hold the church, the born again body of Christ accountable for a lot of the things that we've allowed to happen in this nation. And it's time for us to rise up and take them back. Let's pray. Now, this is our prayer. That was Daniel's prayer for a nation. And we could pray that prayer and just replace Jerusalem with the USA, and it would be a beautiful prayer. But let's pray our way. Father, we pray for a great revival to take place in every believer first and every Christ-centered church in our country. We pray for a great awakening to sweep the United States of America. We dispel the darkness that has encompassed this land, and we declare that the, the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine across this country like never before, and people of all race, all color, all ethnic backgrounds will see their need for a Savior, and we can point them to Jesus Christ, and they will recognize him. Yep, he's the one. He's the one that's going to save me.
And we thank you that we will be able to set aside our differences and that the love of God will be shed abroad in every heart and that we will come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that this nation will repent and become once again a God-fearing nation, and it's going to start right here with me, that, that this nation will recognize you as our leader and God in Jesus' mighty name, amen. We want this nation to not only recognize the, the presidential leadership and the gubernatorial leadership we have and the mayoral leadership and the, the leadership that we have in our our uh, police chiefs and fire chiefs, we want to first of all recognize God as our leader and then right on down the line. But anyway, I'm running out of time here. Get the 10% signal now. I, I'm learning as I go along. I'll make sure it's plugged in or charged next time. But thank you for tuning in tonight. And, and don't forget to meet us on Facebook Live this Sunday as we'll be uh, broadcasting and celebrating the resurrection of the Lord from our sanctuary in, in Louisville there at Faith Fellowship Church. Hang in there. Keep safe. God bless you. And remember, as my good friend, Pastor Flint Council would say, God's got this. Amen. Thank you for joining us. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.